You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hi, this is Evan, and you're listening to Damsels in Detroit on Podcast Detroit. So we are on episode 10 of Damsels in Detroit. I can't believe it. It's been 10 weeks that we've been talking and learning about different women in the city. So I've been having fun. So hopefully y'all have been having fun listening as well. So today I'm sitting here with Ernestine Lyons and she's really awesome, guys. Like, you know, trilingual, you know, travels the world. So I'm going to read a little bit about her and then we'll hop into our questions. So Ernestine Lyons is on a mission to create global citizens in three ways, encouraging international travel to broaden one's perspective and explore new cultures. Secondly, to learn a new language, connect with new people and gain the courage to push your limits. And lastly, she wants global citizens to live their potential by fostering civic engagement and realizing you have an agency in your community, city, state and nation. Ernestine's business, Lynn Global, talks to Metro Detroit youth about the importance of learning foreign language and traveling. She has a master's in international relations and political science, speaks three languages, and has traveled to over 15 countries. Ernestine is on a personal mission to bridge gaps of understanding and add value to the world while making connections. Hey, Ernestine. Hey, how's it going? Good. Or thanks so yeehaw, much. I should say. Oh, yes. <laughs> we're going to get into all of the languages. <laughs> right. I'm so excited. Because <laughs> I literally only know a little bit of French. Parlez-vous français? How do you say a little in French? Un petit peu. Petit peu. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, so, so my first question for you is, what sparked your interest in traveling? Well, um, I think growing up in, um, I was a product of like Detroit public schools. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing is, it was, it was like, it was at the time, you know, growing up in the 1990s, it was overcrowded. And, you know, my mom sort of had this mission to give us the world. Mm-hmm. And so in addition to what we were learning in school, we would take these sort of field trips to the Detroit Public Library main branch. And we would check out books on languages and traveling different to different places. And we would, you know, get all of these, this, this information. And we would just be immersed in this, in this world of what's out there. And we would learn like current events. And it was so much so to the point that eventually my mom actually homeschooled us. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a really heavy emphasis for us to um, each kid was given a foreign language. And so my sister was learning French. My brother learned German. I learned Spanish. And um, my little sister learned um, Pashto. Oh, wow. (laughs) Which um, I'm sorry. uh, No, Farsi. Sorry, Farsi. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I wanted her to learn Pashto. But, um, and where are both of those languages from? Farsi is spoken in Iran. Okay. And so um, it's been called Persian. Okay. And then um, Pashto is spoken in um, on the Indian subcontinent. Um, and it's also a language of uh, Afghanistan, one of the official languages. Okay. So, um, so yeah, yeah, that's actually um, – so that's kind of like th- – that's where it began. Mm-hmm. And then from there, um, n- no one in my family really like – traveled internationally and it wasn't until my older sister went into the military and she was being stationed everywhere and she traveled all over the world and you know she went to japan and you know asia had always been like a place that i had this fascination with and you know for for her to actually make it happen Mm -hmm. for the first person in my family and i'm just like wow okay well this is something that is actually tangible now. It's right. not just something I'll look at in my books that I would check out from the library. Mm-hmm. All of these, you know, encyclopedias and different books on, you know, locations, country profiles and things like that. So that kind of started it and seeing that it was real and that somebody in my family could actually do that. It was, it was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And so from there, um, I knew that I wanted to travel. I just didn't know how. Okay. And I kind of felt like it was, a dream up until I went to college. And then from there, um, I found out about study abroad opportunities. And a lot of these scholarships um, didn't, in my department at the time, they didn't necessarily always have, you know, people who were applying for them. Mm-hmm. And so I applied for a scholarship and, you know, I took my first trip to South Africa um, when I was actually 23. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah. I've only been out the country once and I was in high school. We got to go to, I was in the band and so we went on like a European tour. So we went to um, Germany and we went to Italy. Oh, awesome. It fun. Yeah, I it was, have not been to either. So you really? got to tell me. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> gotta give me some pointers. Yeah, it was fun, but I'm like, 
I need to do some more. Like, cause my passport is like expired now. I need to get it. That's on my to-do list mm-hmm. for the summer to get a new one. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so can you remember the first trip that you ever went on? And it could be domestically or internationally. I think it would be like the first memorable trip. Cause I know we've taken trips. My dad's from the South. Okay. Um, and we've taken trips to Alabama and things. Um, those are kind of like my first memories, but I think going to places like Cedar Point is mm-hmm. like a family vacation, especially here in the Mitchell Detroit yeah. area. It's like, you know, that's, that's kind of the vacation spot, or at least it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so those, those are early travel memories, but, um, I feel like that independent first time you're traveling on your own mm-hmm. is, is really that, that the kicker because yeah. you are your own person when you're traveling. And I think, um, for me, it was, um, I got a scholarship to travel to South Africa. Mm-hmm. And I think as an African American, that was like a really, really, uh, pivotal kind of trip. And in, in my formative years, it was really, really important to to kind of see the motherland so right. to speak and you know being sort of immersed in this culture that you one i think as an african american maybe we're not necessarily exposed to the most positive aspects right. of what it means to be an african right. and then they sort of had this idea of what it meant to be an American. Mm -hmm. And this was in 2008. So this was when we were just about to uh, elect Barack Obama and everybody was excited about that. So I think um, having that be my first independent trip was was definitely, you know, it was it was a it was a really important moment, I think, in, in shaping who I am. Yeah, I believe that for sure. You speak three languages. So which languages do you speak? And then why were those the ones that you chose to learn? And, you know, that's a funny. I, I say I speak three languages because I used to like my mom used to go around like she speaks seven languages. Uh-huh. And it's just like, well, I dabble. OK. Uh, and I actually the funny thing is I every year go to something called the polyglot conference. OK. And um, last year I was one of the speakers. And a polyglot is somebody who speaks multiple languages like beyond just being bilingual or trilingual okay. and you know this is something where you know you're you're hearing all these amazing languages mm-hmm. and they talk about like best practices for language learning okay but, um the languages that i speak like to a degree of fluency are um mandarin chinese mm-hmm. um, russian and arabic okay and so and then of course english so but i've dabbled in other languages like hindi um, and then also uh, French, Spanish, um, Italian, and other languages that are kind of less commonly taught. Like, mm-hmm. of course, the, you know, with my, my sister, we, we both wanted to learn like languages like Farsi and Pashto. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and then I also like when I would travel to a certain place, like if I wanted to go to Iceland, I'm like, Hey, might as well take a crash course in Icelandic. Okay. Um, and then also like Hindi, um, I'm sorry, um, what is it? Um, when I went to Thailand, yeah, it was, um, so I just wanted to learn some Thai because there were three of us American girls going there and, and it's just like nobody knew a word of Thai. Right. And, you know, it was really, really awesome. But, um, the reason why those particular languages, um, going back to, you know, my mission to create global citizens, um, it kind of stemmed from this, this wanting to learn a little bit more about a culture. Um, and, you know, when, when 9-11 happened when I was in high school, mm-hmm. it was my my mission. I wanted to really understand, you know, um, the Arabic language, Islamic culture and Arab culture and sort of like be immersed in that to really understand what it was that people were afraid of. OK. And understand the perspective of the people who were now being targeted as an enemy. Right. You know, air quotes. And so it's it that was kind of that the the mission behind wanting to learn Arabic, and then I took it up um, in high school and then in college. Mm-hmm. You know, I was mostly self taught with a lot of that um, the languages initially, and then um, with my interest in Asia, I actually uh, my undergraduate major was partly um, so I double major, and the other major was Asian studies. Okay, and so I just wanted to learn a lot about like Japan and China, and so I. Sp- specifically focused on Mandarin Chinese. And then I lived there for um, a year and some change. Okay. And, um, you know, being really, really immersed in the language, the culture, the people. And, you know, that was kind of how China happened. But now Russia is a whole other story. <laughs> Let me tell you. So while I was in China studying, um, my roommate 
was a Russian speaker. She was from Kazakhstan. Okay. And then my study partner from, you know, Uzbekistan. And then I also had a Ukrainian. And they were all like from former parts of the Soviet, uh, from parts of the former Soviet Union. Okay. And um, then there was this really good looking guy <laughs> who was from Moscow. You're like, I have to talk to him. I need to learn your language. And so <laughs> my whole mission was to learn Russian to impress him. And, you know, he would just tell me like, oh, that is so horrible. You're reaping my language. And I'm just like, no, don't say that. And I mean, like he has such a deep voice. And, but so the whole reason I wanted to learn Russian was to impress a guy. That is hilarious. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, out of all the crazy things and... um. Yeah, yeah, I've I've done I've tried to learn coding to impress a guy before too, and then I quit. So, uh, but these yeah. are some very good life skills to be picking up. <laughs> no, so. I know. Next one's gonna be martial arts. Okay, or, I don't know, or like cooking. <laughs> yeah, really good life skills. So, how difficult do you think it is to learn a new language? Do you find that it comes really easy to you? Do you feel like you struggle a lot, or does it depend on the language you think? Part of I really think that I'm not necessarily good at languages. Okay. I think I'm good at accents. Okay. And <laughs> it's funny. I, I make that joke, but it really does take um, this sort of confidence because mm-hmm. when you speak a foreign language, you're always going to be afraid that you're going to say something wrong. Right. You're going to mispronounce a word. You're not going to say it in the right order. But I think it has given me confidence because in high school, I was a wallflower. I was a nerd. I was shy. And it wasn't until I started learning foreign languages that it took that sort of like, well, I'm about to mess this up. I'm probably going to butcher it. I'm probably going to say it wrong. But at least I'm speaking it. Right. And, you know, I think that's kind of people were like, wow, you know, you sound so good. And I'm like, well, let me keep going because I might not sound that good. But I feel like if I don't use it, then it's not going to get any better. I'm just going to sit there with some words in my head. And I think um, that's the biggest thing I want to emphasize to kids. And I talk to them about in the classrooms is. When you learn another language, it really does give you confidence because now you're assuming a different personality. You're even taking on a different accent Mm -hmm. if necessary. And, you know, that really does kind of solidify this this new persona. And I think that's the hard thing really is kind of getting out of your head and thinking that you're going to say something wrong Mm -hmm. and, you know, just just doing it. Um but but languages, they can be difficult. They can be difficult because, yeah. you know, communication is not even sometimes it's not a strong suit of people naturally. Mm-hmm. And so for you to do that in another person's language and even <clears throat> really like understanding the cultural differences, too, because there are some things that, you know, in this language, you know, OK, well, a woman would say it this way and a man would say it that way. Or right. culturally, this is what people say when they are lower class or this is when they, what they say when they're middle class or, you know, and there's subtle nuances to to languages that the culture really informs. Or if it's a religious difference between, you know, speaking um, a language like, you know, um in in India, you have uh, it, the Indian subcontinent. You have like India and Pakistan, and in um, Pakistan they speak Urdu, and then in in India they speak Hindi, mm-hmm. and you know those are the same language. Okay, but the only thing that separates them is religion. Interesting, and you know so but so there are going to be certain expressions that you would say in Urdu that you wouldn't say in Hindi, but okay. it's the exact same language. Okay, so. Um, those are things that you kind of almost have to traverse to be able to really get good at a language. And I think you can't not get immersed in the culture if, you know, if you're learning a language. Mm-hmm. So do you feel that it's better to start learning when you're younger as opposed to like if I say I want to pick French back up now? Do you feel like it would be it would have been better for me to try to learn it when I was like 10 or You know what I mean? Like, is it easier to kind of grasp all of that information when you're in elementary school versus an adult trying to learn a new language? You know, a linguist and a cognitive kind of like scientist would probably tell you like, yes, in those formative years, those synapses are still being formed and, you know, kids are going to be able to pick it up easier. But I do feel that as an adult language learner, um, I learned some languages as a kid, but I, you know, kind of like played around with Spanish okay. and, you know, 
I think when I was an adult learning languages, I was serious okay. because I had a mission and then I really understood, you know, the the culture. I understood, you know, why I wanted to connect with my friend who was, you know, Arabic or Chinese or, you know, whatever their culture I wanted to connect. Mm-hmm. And I think that fueled me beyond being a kid told like, hey, okay, speak some Albanian, you know, with, you know, your your grandpa or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you're being forced to learn it right. as a kid. And, you know, I think as an adult learner, it's going to be easier in the sense that you're self-motivated. Okay. And, you know, I'd say like, honestly, you you can pick it up. And I th- think that it really boils down to consistency yeah. and really putting aside the time because, I decided I was going to learn German when I came back from the polyglot conference in Slovenia last year. Um, and I have not been consistent with that at all. Okay. So, I mean, like, yeah, I could say that, yeah, German is easy to learn. But are you really going to have the time, the dedication, the interest? And, you know, are you it's, it, it all comes down to you and your kind of drive and motivation behind learning a language. So what tools do you use to help you? Learning a new language. I know I have the Duolingo app, <laughs> but what else is there um, that's helpful if you want to learn a new language? Well, Lean Global is coming out with software soon. Ooh. We're going to be coming out with like interactive um, videos and different content that kind of can help you. That's cool. Um, but I have been a huge fan of a lot of the in your car audio because okay. I listen to the same songs on like Apple Music mm-hmm. over and over and over <laughs> again. And I'm just like, that was 30 minutes worth of me listening to Drake or, you know, something. And I'm like, I could be, you know, progressing in learning Japanese. Um, I'm going to Japan later this year. And okay. I'm like, OK, I could brush up on that. So I think it really comes down to. Um, having a good audio system that you're listening to kind of subconsciously. And I would recommend something like Pimsleur or um, then there's also Teach Yourself. It's a series of like, you can just listen to it like in in your your sound system. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I'm drawing a blank. I'm like, what is it called? The thing <laughs> on your phone. You can listen to it on your phone. Um, and then I... I like Rosetta Stone, okay. um, but it's very involved. And I find that as an adult language learner, I think that kind of style can can be like to me. I'm just like, all right, I want to learn about specifically what I want to talk about. Okay. I want to talk about politics. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about travel. And I want to talk about, you know, just things that interest me. Okay. And I think that's the biggest thing that I try to emphasize when I go into the classroom with kids. It's like, girls, what are you into? Are you into makeup and K-pop? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, you know, BTS, that Korean pop group yeah. that you really like. And tell me about this guy. What Describe him in Korean. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then you start to look for words. Um, like, I was really interested in, you know, lipstick and makeup and things like that. And so those are the first words that I would want to look up to be able to okay. talk about them. Um, but... Um, I just use a lot of online tools out there and, okay. you know, just find out what I find and put together sentences and paragraphs and little things to talk about things that are interesting to me. And that would be my recommendation. Do that as often as possible. And then when you hear somebody, you know, speaking a language somewhere, it's just like, mm, is that Arabic I hear? Let me butt into your conversation. Okay. And being that kind of person and just like get out there and speak it. So you've traveled to over 15 countries. Can you tell everyone where you've been? Okay. Um, let's see. I'm going to start with, okay, first trip outside of the country was to South Africa. From there, I went to China, um, then Korea, Russia. Um, then I have been to Barbados, um, Iceland, let's see, then also, um, where else? Jeez, Slovenia. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a whole list out there. So I've just started going to Europe recently okay. because a lot of my travel was um, I I have a list of you know making sure that I want to go to um, all of the seven continents, okay. and I have been to four. Okay, and so. Um, that's 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 part of them. Like, wait, did I name all of them? No. When you <laughs> travel so much, you uh, just no, forget. exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but but yeah, yeah. Um, I think 
I, I probably have it written down somewhere, but mm-hmm. I can't think of it for some reason in my head right now. But I know I'm going to Japan, um, and I went to England for the royal wedding. Oh, uh, fun. Yeah, that was awesome because I'm like, I've always loved, like, the royal family. And then yeah. when Prince Harry and Meghan got married, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going. I'm going. So. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Those those are some really uh, – Thailand um, and uh, – Senegal. Okay. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are some, some, some of the places that I've been to. And each one of them, I had like a super amazing experience. And, um, I used to travel a lot with, um, some, I would, I would travel with friends every once in a while, but okay. mostly, most of my travel is done solo. Okay. Um, and I think the biggest thing is being able to allow yourself to just be mm-hmm. and kind of go with the flow and become this different person that um, is a little bit more outgoing. Okay. I think here I wouldn't just pick up with a group of strangers that I'd went on a tour with right. and, you know, go hang out with them. But it's it's like something about having that courage when you're in another setting to just do things that are different, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think it, traveling, it really just kind of has solidified this this personality of you can just go. You can just do it. Yeah. Why Why say, you know, okay, well, why make excuses when you can just go? Mm-hmm. Do you have any travel do's and don'ts? So some things that you, if somebody is traveling for the first time alone, some things that you feel like they should do, should not do, just tips they should know maybe for the airport or anything like that? Um, well, the do's and don'ts, I would say don't pack a lot, you Mm -hmm. know, um, especially being a solo female traveler. I think the biggest thing is not having a ton of stuff because I've realized I first time I ever traveled uh, abroad, I packed like three suitcases Mm -hmm. and I realized that, you know, when I was on the go and I wanted to go do a tour, I wanted to go do this, this kind of like go to this exploration kind of like thing. And, you know, there was so many times that I'm just like, I didn't need this. I brought all this stuff. I didn't need it. I didn't wear that dress. I didn't, you know, um, need to have 15 different changes of socks, mm-hmm. you know. And a lot of times um, I realize I can get by with more of a, like a minimalist kind of, you know, packing the packing and the essentials. And okay. I didn't I don't bring as much makeup and things. And because I'm finding that, like, it's more me having adventures. Yeah. And just being ready to just move and go to the next place and, you know, go to the next, you know, place where I'm going to be staying. And I've left things places before where it's just like, okay, if I had like three or four less things, then I wouldn't have had to worry about, you know, leaving or, you know, I always want to get more when I'm there. So, you know, then I'll have more space. And so the last trip that I took, I think I took maybe two outfits and I just kind of switched them out and I'm like, I can buy it something when I get here. And so I think that would be the biggest, um, you know, piece of advice that I will offer. Um, And document your trip too, I would say, but don't spend so much time. Have, if you're going on a four day trip or something, um, I would say spend one day documenting. Okay. Um, and then the other days, like try or, or, or the other way around, I would say spend, you know, you can document your trip and things like that, but mm-hmm. spend one day just kind of enjoying the atmosphere, enjoying the people and getting to know the culture without any social media, without any, you know, distractions, just be Okay. And bring a book somewhere, sit in a, cof- a coffee shop and, mm-hmm. you know, see how many people you meet. Try to practice that language that they speak yeah. here. But that is another thing. Um, sometimes I struggle trying to learn the language when I'm in a country because okay. it's like everybody speaks English. Right. And so that can never be an impediment to like not traveling. Right. So, you know, I've had people like say to me, oh, you travel and I would like to. Can you help me? But I don't speak the language. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, it really doesn't. Yeah. But, um, you know. I've got tips for like picking it up. So if you want to pick it up in like a, a week or so, mm-hmm. you definitely can learn a couple of phrases that are going to be essentials. Um, so I would say pack light. Don't worry about the language. But if you do, just be confident and be that person who's willing to step outside of what what's the norm for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite place that you visited so far? Mm. If you can pick just one. Um, I'm going to have to say because I spent the most time. In Russia and China Mm -hmm. that I think it would have to be Russia and China because I really had 
the time to really get to know the cultures and get to know the people. And I made like lifelong friends. And you had those moments where in both countries, I was alone in the dark by myself, okay. lost in this, like, especially the, um, when I was in St. P- Petersburg, um, I got lost in like a dark Russian alleyway oh, somewhere. Wow. And it was like, 2 a.m. and you're just trying to figure out like okay where's the nearest taxi right. how do I get home and I don't know who to call and it's just you know but but I came out alive yeah <laughs> and, uh, but you know the funny thing is like sometimes people are like oh weren't you a scary uh, sc- uh, you know weren't you afraid of you know the Russian people you know I even had professors especially as a black woman saying that you know um, be careful because you do have segments of the population there that don't like black people. And that Mm -hmm. is something that every single country I've come to, I've had to deal with, you know, kind of this sort of either a weird curiosity where it's just like, I've never seen your kind before. And so let me touch your hair. And Mm -hmm. and I'm just like, okay, well, this is people just being curious. And in some situations there has been hostility. Okay. I had a woman in China who didn't want to sell me dumplings because I was black. Mm. And, you know, so it's almost like I have to be patient. Okay. To, and be ready to have those teachable moments. Okay. So that, you know, you're ready to explain this is my culture. This is a part of America. This is just as much America as my friend with the blonde hair and blue eyes. Okay. And, and it's just like America represents a lot of people. Right. And, you know, this this is America, what you see in front of you. So um, I think those are the, the things that make those kind of experiences fun. And I think spending time in a place longer, you are you going to come up against more of that kind of stuff. And right. I think it kind of builds character. Okay. You started your business, Lynn Global, in 2015, correct? Yes. Okay. So can you talk more about the things that you do with your organization and what prompted you to start it? So what prompted me to start it, I think um, the biggest thing was coming back from Russia in particular, because that's when I went to Russia in like the 2015 time period there. Um, and it was coming back and sharing stories. And at a certain point, I'm always sharing some travel story. You know, mm-hmm. people are just like, all right, yeah, you went somewhere. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Nice. I can't really. <laughs> and it's like, you almost feel like there's a disconnect at a certain point. And it's like, okay, well, I did that thing. And then now you kind of feel like, a little empty. And what do you need to do? It's almost like maybe go share that thing. What yeah. was the best experience you had there? What was like some little amazing treat that you had mm-hmm. that you feel like you want to share? Or what was a innovative approach that, that that country was doing that you feel like should be replicated here? And I think from there, I really wanted to share with kids because I wish that when I was in high school, somebody like me had come and maybe talked yeah. to, you know, my my class and told me that I could, mm-hmm. you know, especially as, you know, a young black girl. I wasn't seeing a lot of examples of that. Right. You know, uh, and so I think the biggest thing was I wanted to pay it forward. I mm-hmm. wanted to show these kids because I had applied for so many scholarships prior to that South Africa scholarship that I received um, and didn't get them. Okay. And so I wanted to show them that you can travel you can travel through scholarships and it is possible. Mm-hmm. Let me show you how. Okay. And so I talked to um, a group of students at Cast Tech High School. And, you know, the teacher told me after I talked to her classes, um, it was actually a Mandarin Chinese teacher who uh, invited me into her Mandarin class. And she told me that after the kids heard my story and they, they got to interact and, you know, I brought candy and treats from, from different countries. They said she said that their scores improved overall in not just like Mandarin Chinese, but in other subjects as well. Okay, so it was like that confidence, that boost that they needed. And I'm like, wow, I'm on to something here. And so I I went to like another school and another school. And then I kind of went went ahead and reformulated like, what does this workshop look like? Mm -hmm. And I made it a little bit more interactive where, you know, you're learning like a, a lot more about yourself and a lot more like it. So it's a little bit more. What I call it is travel life coaching. Okay. And so what Lane Global does is takes it a step further. So we go into the first step is going into the classroom, getting the kids excited and getting them to see that it's possible. The next step is, you know, having workshops and the workshop is, you know, you're learning a little bit more about why the language is important to you. 
And then it's like that community, you get your your family involved because I've had a lot of parents who say like, well, my child is not going to, you know, Zimbabwe for what? Mm -hmm. So they can get kidnapped. And and it's just like, no, that's not that's not the way the world is. I mean, those things exist. Right. But, you know, it's few and far between. Yeah. So let me show share with you family members and the kid and the community because you know i also work with adults who want to travel Mm -hmm. so it's like you know i've had friends who are like maybe you know 28 30 or something who are just like i want to travel but i don't think i can well let me coach you through the process because it does take a lot of confidence to take that kind of a big step right so um lean global from there was born. And, you know, so then I fleshed it out by taking Build Institute classes that are offered here in Detroit Mm -hmm. and, you know, really had an idea because I wasn't making any money from what I was doing. And I would ask myself, is this a 501c or is this an LLC? I don't know. And, you know, I got to work with great, you know, coaches um, and teachers um, through that network to kind of find a little bit more, find out a little bit more about my business and okay. how it was going to function. And so in one aspect of the business, um, it does operate as a 501c that is, you know, working to provide scholarships for kids so that they can travel. And, you know, then there's also the um, LLC that wants to help adults actually travel. So mm-hmm. like with travel consulting services and things so that, they can, you know, apply for a passport because that, that's the first step a lot right. of times. And, you know, then the next step is, do you know about global entry? Do you know that you don't have to go through the customs line and you can skip all that for just a hundred bucks? And, okay. you know, so it's like those little insider tips and tricks that Ling Global offers. And the third piece, um, after like, a kid or anybody has been introduced to their why and then they're introduced to the how, then it's kind of like now that you are prepared to take that trip or Mm -hmm. you maybe have already taken the trip, when you come back, don't just be like me where you're telling all these China stories and people are sick of them. It's like, oh, here she come again with that story about when she was in Russia. And it's like, well, no, we're going to pay it back. We're going to now you're going to get involved civically. So like civic engagement I think is the biggest piece where – now, what do you want to do? What do you want to see created in your community? Right. What made that thing so amazing? Because when you were abroad somewhere, you had an experience that you can't replicate here. Mm-hmm. So let's try to to pick apart why things are as they are in your community and you're dissatisfied with them. So okay. what can you do about that personally? And I think it's knowing that you have agency. And I think that's the biggest thing about civic engagement. It not only fosters confidence, but it creates – it gives – a person agency. They yeah. see that they have a voice and they can use it. Right. And it's not just up to policymakers or politicians because they're no different than you and mm-hmm. I. And I think we sometimes put those folks on pedestals and okay. say like, oh, wow, they're policymakers. So they know. But it's just like, you, well, you know, too. Mm-hmm. You you are a human. And I always like to say you are a celestial being having a human experience. And so therefore, <laughs> you are just as entitled to have a thought. And you're an, an idea. Right. And I would like to see that idea cultivated and mm-hmm. fleshed out. And that kind of leads to something that I've gotten into recently that Ling Global wants to partner with um, community organizations to help fund um, to sort of be like a, an idea incubator. Okay. If you have an idea. And so, for example, you went to Italy and you had this really great cafe that you would sit in every week and you read. And so now you'd like to see that same type of cafe come. Why not incubate that idea and connect with people who can help you make it happen or either you make it happen yourself. Right. So um, Ling Global actually partnered with the city of Harper Woods and we hosted a microfinancing community dinner. It was actually partnership also with um Detroit Soup. Um mm-hmm. so we brought a Harper Woods soup okay. um to to the city of Harper Woods and we helped a local entrepreneur um who has like a plant based sort of um sweets and it's called um ice cream treats and we helped her, you know, raise uh, we raised five hundred and sixty three dollars for her. Nice. And that's kind of what where Ling Global has been as of right now. Okay. Um because it, it's still it's still a business that's a work in progress and um, we're we're still making moves. But I think we've also morphed to incorporate things that when people are here and dreaming of a trip, mm-hmm. what can you do? Right. You know, and what ways can you fulfill your life's mission and your calling? And I think that's the biggest thing about how it's a 
travel coaching service because okay. it's it's for life. Right. It's, I you know I call it Ling Global Life Languages because it's the language of life. Okay. And you know that is having agency. It's operating with empathy and it's being autonomous. And you're able to just step into your purpose. Now, are you the sole coach there or do you have other people to help you out as well? Oh, it's just me at this point. (laughs) And, you know, the funny thing is um, I actually hired an intern um, for for a little bit. And, you know, she's she was a college student at my alma mater, Wayne State. And uh, so so I also have help from my sisters. And, um, you know, so so it's it's almost like. It's a community effort. Right. And, you know, so people from all over are always like, oh, okay, well, this is a good idea. And you, you don't, like, once you, you don't really know how much you're going to, how much love you're going to end up getting from yeah. people when you're sitting there wondering, oh, I'd like to make Lean Global a thing, but I'm scared or I don't really know what the first step is. And then you start making those steps to it. And it's like, I'm all spiritual and new agey. So I'm like, <laughs> the universe is opening up okay. because you made those first steps. Right. And, you know, I have had so much support that it really doesn't feel like I'm a team of one. Okay. That's good. Yeah. But I also I love the mission of what you're doing, too, because it's so important, I think, for kids just to see people that look like them that are doing things that they want to do because it just really opens their eyes and they're just like, oh, OK, so I can't do that. Like, that's not just a figment of my imagination. Like, I, I literally can get on a plane and go somewhere. Exactly. And experience it. So I love that. I know. And, you know, the funny thing is, like, that was that was my whole mission. But I also feel like to an extent you can reach out to like communities, like all communities who want to do these things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, if somebody's coming from, you know, they can be black or white or whatever ethnicity. And, you know, but you feel like you don't have any power. You feel like you can't do that. Mm-hmm. I want to encourage them. Um, a friend of mine's He's a white guy who only has like a high school education and he travels all over the world all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling him, like, you can be an example to that kid who might be, you know, a little too conservative, a little too aligned with, you know, maybe a certain administration and might think that immigrants are the problem or, you know, be very xenophobic or, you know, that person who's very close minded. But you can be an example because you go off and you travel and mm-hmm. you can show them that, you know, they do have, you know, a, a say in who's shaping the narrative on, you know, community and togetherness and diversity and, you know, just being, you know, an agent for change mm-hmm. and positive change. Right. And I think that kind of flips the dialogue from they're the problem to, oh, we're all in this together. Right. And we have more in common than we do you know, differences. Mm -hmm. So the last question I have before we get into our listener questions are, what are some tips that you have for people that want to travel without breaking the bank? I would say, like, for example, I'm saving for Japan. And Mm -hmm. every time I'm just like, let me go get a Starbucks. It's like, you know what would be good? Starbucks (laughs) in Japan. Right. You know, and then it just be like, okay, well, you know, I could get that dress. You know what would be good? Getting that dress in Japan. (laughs) And it's just like those little things that, I feel like most Americans are just going to frivolously spend on and, you know, just just pinch your purse a little bit more and realize that when you have that experience in whatever your target country is, if you want to go to Paris or something, you know, having that experience there is going to be like way more exciting than just, you know, in your hometown sitting at Starbucks, you Mm -hmm. know, and, you know, just I think making sure that you're reining in your 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 kind of spending that you do on a daily basis that's like extraneous and focus on like the bigger mission, which is getting yourself to like a place. And then I have this um what is it? It's it's an app that kind of takes the money out okay. automatically. Yeah. And it's just like this is for Japan. Right. And I forget the name of it. I feel like I'll maybe like I don't know, send it to you at some point, but um it's like It'll it'll it knows that I'm trying to go to Japan. And so like the money is just I don't even see okay. it. And so out of sight, out of mind. And I think also limiting kind of some of these things like um, subscriptions to things. Yeah, I cut back on Netflix or, you know, cut back on that thing because I know that, you know, I want to take this trip and I think it's going to be more important than, right. you know, buying or getting subscriptions and things. And so um, I'd, I'd have to say those are those are my 
keys and um, to, to making sure that I'm going to take that trip and I'm going to enjoy myself because okay. Japan ain't cheap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably going to be like the most expensive trip um, to some places. Well, you know, Iceland was actually really expensive. Okay. Um, it was cheap to get there. And I that was another thing. People are like always ask. I'm like, how do you take all these trips? Now, Wow Air was my favorite airline mm-hmm. and they had the cheapest flights for like $420 round trip to somewhere. And I'm just like – Oh my god, this is amazing! And then they went out of business. No. So I'm just like, oh no! But, <laughs> but there are other really good budget airlines, and um, you're talking about like saving money. The the budget airlines that you can fly on, like they don't give you drinks, they don't give you. You pay for your seat, you pay for extra luggage, and okay. then that's another reason why I am a minimalist when it comes to traveling, because um, bringing things with me because. You don't need to pay for all those things. You right. don't need to pay for a meal. I'll just have some snacks with me. Yeah. And then when I get there, I'll have an amazing meal mm-hmm. when I go sit down at a cafe in Paris or something. And so I think taking the budget airlines and Ling Global actually has workshops too. So um, I am partnering with a uh, very popular blogger, um, Melanin on the Go. Mm-hmm. And we're actually going to be having a workshop that talks about all of those things because she's been to way more countries than I have. Okay. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's, we want to be able to, to show people that, no, you can do this. And, you know, it's not going to be free. Right. Um, I have options though. I have had trips that have pretty much been like free before. Okay. Um, those were mostly been through scholarships and things, but you can, as an adult who's not still in college, I think, you know, you can still do like a super cheap trip and enjoy yourself and not feel like you are, you know, penny pinching. So, right. So, yeah, um, I think the next workshop is going to be, I want to say next month. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah. So listeners can be on the lookout for, for that and then they can learn how they can travel themselves and, you know, connect with other folks through languages, too. Mm-hmm. All righty. And so we're going to get into our listener questions. So the first one I have is from Asma Walton from Instagram, and she says, what is your most memorable experience abroad? So I know you talked about your South Africa trip, but is there um, a moment within that trip or even a different trip that you took that was really that kind of really hit you in your heartstrings, I guess, when you think about it? Hit me in my heartstrings. Okay, the first one that pops up, and I'm probably going to leave here and be like, why did I talk about that and not the other trip? Mm -hmm. But um, I think it was... With a group of expat friends, actually, in China, um, and we just kind of got on a motorcycle and we went into the Chinese countryside and it was like maybe like an hour drive. Mm-hmm. And w- then we had like a picnic basket and everything. We had all of our like wonderful Chinese treats that I wish you could find here. Like they have um, – they had these – wasabi flavored oreos Mm. and then there's also green tea oreos and birthday cake ones and it was so weird because like (laughs) certain flavors that exist here don't exist there right so but we had all these treats and and that wasn't even the story but um we went to this this mountaintop um that was kind of famous and it was an old relic that was you know, during the Cultural Revolution in China, people were destroying all of these, the four olds, as they called them, all this ancient history were being destroyed. And this one had been kind of attacked. And, you know, the, it was like a temple on a mountaintop. And so we were we were there and we were just kind of looking out at the splendor of the nature there. And then, you know, you can see the city and all the hustle and bustle and China's famous pollution. Um, so. <laughs> We, but we just kind of sat there and we just ended up talking about our experiences, you know, as foreigners being in a foreign country Mm -hmm. and, you know, just some of the, the ups and downs. And, you know, it was, it was just an amazing experience to just sit there and marvel at not only like another country, but the experience of being a, a foreigner and then also having that togetherness because that group of friends, I feel, of all the friendships I've had, I've been able to like bond with people in a foreign country okay. faster and have a deeper connection because there's no barriers. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that was that was maybe one of my, my favorite memories. Cool. So her design life coach was also Melody Johnson from Instagram. Hello, um, Melody. Hello. She says, where would you like to travel next? So after Japan, what's next on your list? Oh, my God. India. Okay. I have wanted to go. India has been on my top 
at the top of my list mm-hmm. since ever since in 20 no no it was 2005 I was you know <laughs> it was 2005 and I saw a thing on Dateline talking about Bollywood movies. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is this? I had never <laughs> heard of Bollywood up until then. Okay. And then, you know, they, they talked about it and I became obsessed. And from there, I went and I got all these, like, Bollywood movies. And I would watch them and I would sing all the songs. And then I took it a step further and I wanted to learn the dance moves. So mm-hmm. I started taking uh, a classical Indian temple dance called Paranatyam. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the basis for a lot of that, you know, hip shaking okay. and, you know, fun dances that you see in Bollywood movies. And so I became obsessed. Um, I wanted to learn more about Indian culture, food, music, dance, religion. And, you know, so India was always at the top of my list. And it's funny because every trip that and every opportunity that came up mm-hmm. to travel, I took it. Okay. And... But at the same time, India was always the top of the list. I'm like, I'm going to go to India this year. Then it didn't go. I'm right. going to go to India this year. And it's just now I feel like I've put it up there and it has to be the most kick-ass trip ever yeah. when I go to India because it's it's been the place that I've wanted to go to for the longest. And I'm saying 2020. Okay. That's that's when I'm going to just do it. You spoke it into existence. It's going to happen. Exactly. I know. <laughs> I know. I put it on every vision board that I make. I put India on there. And, you know, but I just feel like I put it off. Because it, it it's gonna have to be it'll be funny if I get there and I'm just disappointed. Oh, <laughs> well, we all say no, that. exactly. No. No. Um no, I I just feel like I've never really been disappointed with a place. Okay. Because it's almost like how could you be dis it's it's almost like not being a human who has empathy if you're disappointed with a location. Right. Or you don't like an experience, you know, and it's like, well, what was your mindset while you were there? Yeah. You know, what were you expecting? Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine says, like, you know, when he travels, he's like, I don't have any expectations when I go because then I'm never disappointed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like you don't you, it's almost like not getting excited because you just know that this is experience where people are going to be in their humans. And, you know, they're not, you know, magicians or, yeah. you know, some sort of magical thing and that sets you apart from them. It's like, no, you're going to experience a place. Mm hmm. And it should be no different than just living your own life. And yeah. Kind of. And so that's another thing that I really want to emphasize with like civic engagement. It's like being that person who's excited about being where you are. You know, it really makes you, you know, want to do more mm-hmm. where you are. I like that. Last listener question comes from Mia Satu from Instagram. She, Hi, Mia. she wants to know how she can get involved or help with Ling Global. Ooh, I would love to meet with you. You can uh, follow us on Instagram at Ernie Lee or uh, Ling Global at just Ling Global on Instagram. <laughs> um, and I would love to reach out like um, – I can I can definitely talk to you and mm-hmm. then um, find out a little bit more about what what you want to do and you know you can join our mission to create global citizens. Mm-hmm. And she would chat. be awesome. She travels Yay. a lot too. Awesome. Um, yeah, so you guys will get along great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so last few questions before we get out of here. Um, but why are you so passionate about traveling and why is it important for you to exude the qualities of a global citizen? I think it's because I'm a middle child. Um, tech, well, technically, if you divide me and my brother up, then we're both the middle child. I don't okay. know. It's four of us. Okay. So um, it's – I think I'm, I've always been diplomatic mm-hmm. and I always want – so if my sisters are arguing or something, you know, I want them to see the other's perspective. And okay. it's like, well, she didn't say that to you to be snippy. She said it because she's coming from a place where she feels – wounded or she feels upset or stressed or that person she feels that maybe she's not being heard and you know I think it goes back to the whole reason why I started learning Arabic because I know that there's more than one side to you know every perspective and I really wanted to get down to that and I think that's why I wanted to go into politics um, because I want to be able to to be that voice and mm-hmm. to be that diplomatic force for, you know, helping people to see that this person is not coming at you to be mean or they're not doing something to slight you. And even when people say like, oh, so-and-so is just a hater, it's like there are no haters. There's only misdirected admiration. Okay. And, you know, I just feel that you can channel those thoughts and those feelings. And I think that's the biggest reason why I want to create global citizens, because you really need to understand each other. And we are not alone out here in this big, vast world. Mm -hmm. We are together. 
And I, I think that there's more good than bad and like not focusing on the bad or the, the, the hurt feelings, but focusing on the other person's perspective. Misdirected admiration. I'm about to start mm-hmm. telling people that. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, <laughs> you don't hate me. Your exactly. admiration for me is just It is. And it's like because somebody will see like, oh, man, she's doing like, look at this. She has a podcast. She has. And it's like they admire that you have the courage because they feel like they can't. Mm-hmm. And it almost takes it, it's it's because there's a like a lack of confidence. And I think that's when they see that you're doing something and they want to be like you in some way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's it kind of comes off as well, I really admire her. So <laughs> begrudgingly. Just, exactly, yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah. But I think it, it really just you don't know their story. Right. Why they have the hang ups on why yeah. they feel like they can't do what you do. That is so, so I so like yeah. that. That's mm-hmm. a, a nice takeaway. Mm-hmm. What does it mean for you to be a damsel in Detroit? A damsel in Detroit, uh, you know, because we women, we have power and um, we we are you know, just, just bosses out here. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm out here to create, you know, those, those folks who want to do more, be more, see more, and, you know, they want to learn more and they never want to let a lack of opportunities keep them from being, you know, resourceful and, or a lack of resources to keep them from being resourceful Mm -hmm. um, is my, my motto. But I don't know. I, I'm out here. I'm I'm getting involved in politics and I'm creating this business and this this nonprofit and, you know, trying to change the lives of kids. And I think that's to me like when you think of a damsel, it's somebody who needs like help or damsel in distress. But mm-hmm. it's like, no, we're here for each other right. and we are here to create like this network. And I'm here to encourage you and I am here to, you know, give you that agency and show you you have autonomy and to be empathetic when really interacting with you to to see, you know, to be that diplomatic person that I am and mm-hmm. kind of see show you that you can do it. You got this. Love it. Mm -hmm. Last thing before we go is where can people connect with you on social and on the web? So you can visit my website, lingglobal.org. And then you can also connect with me via um, Instagram and Facebook. Um, So it's Ernestine Lyons Mayweather on Facebook. Um, Then it's also um, our Instagram for Ling Global. And um, I am also running for office at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we won't talk about that here. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I like to connect with people because um, I'm also looking for, you know, just connections and ways to, you know, partner and collaborate. And so you can you can find me on social media, um, our website. Um, you can learn more about Ling Global there. Um, and so that's Ernie Lee, um, Ling Global. At Lean Global's website, lingglobal.org. And yeah. yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for coming today. All right. Thank and you so much for having me. Yeah. I'm so excited to be on. Like, oh, <laughs> we have she's fun. so stylish. Oh, she's wow. So cool. Thanks. Look at her. Wow. Just out here being a boss in the world. Jeez, <laughs> thank you so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but as always, you guys, I want you to remember that Detroit girls do it better. And we will be back next week. Yay. <laughs>